0: And um, it's good to have you all here. Um, Phil and Jean, I don't know. Phil and Gene, why don't you just wave your hands there and Luke. So they got one more son, Nathan. He is not, but they just moved into Friend about a month ago. So right before, in May there, the end of May, right before we went on sabbatical, um, they moved into Friend and Phil works in Lincoln. He can tell you about what he does there. Um, But if you haven't had a chance to meet them, I encourage you to... uh, get Acquainted with them, they um, actually attended the church of Mitchell, or my sister and my parents attended, and then they were up in Pierre for what six years? About six years, and now they uh, started a job in Lincoln. So we're glad that they're here with us. It's good to have Lizzie's uh, dad here with us. So he was here as well. So and mom, so she's here every once in a while. So all right, good to have you all here. Well. This morning we're going to be mainly in the book of Acts, but we're going to begin with Matthew chapter 28. The last chapter, last few verses. So if you want to turn in your copy of God's Word, whether it's uh, uh, the copy of this or um, uh, your digital copy. So um I'll just give you a little recap while you're turning there. We um, Water baptism is, uh, yeah, next Sunday, so we talked all about that. So um, just a little bit of recap on the sabbatical. We... Uh, The first week, um, I went up to South Dakota and spent a couple days with my folks and did a little fishing. They have too many walleyes up there, so we helped out that. And then uh, uh, came back and we went to um, a church up in Lincoln. So I'm I'm a presbyter, so I oversee the churches in our section, which includes Milford, uh, Crete, and Lincoln. So we have a couple churches up there. And so we went to uh, one of the churches there and attended there. That was good to just be with them and um, hang out with them and then uh, we came back that next Sunday. Then I think we went up to Omaha. Nope, I can't even remember where we went. No, nope. no, nope. we w- when we came back from that Sunday up in Lincoln, then we left on Tuesday for Virginia Beach. So we just we did that. We left on a Tuesday night, got as far as a little past Kansas City, and then we got out to Beckley, West Virginia. So, And then we drove the rest of the way to on f- ooh, Friday, Thursday night. Thursday night we made it all the way out to Virginia Beach and um, actually had uh, lunch, had supper with Sharonda on the, on the boardwalk there on Virginia Beach and then kind of took a tour of uh, Regent University on Friday. Amy hadn't been there, but that's where I did my doctoral work. And then on Friday afternoon, then we headed up to North Virginia, kind of northwest corner in the Shenandoah Valley. Stayed in a small town called Strasburg. And so we got to um, spend uh, the evening with Amy's brother and family. So we hadn't seen them for a while. And then Saturday morning, we went to a place called Shrine Mont. So I had one week of classes there. It was a very impactful week for me. It's in the Blue Ridge Mountains. That's on the west side of the Shenandoah Valley. It's just, it's just beautiful there. So we hiked up a mountain. There and then we kind of did a little tour and then we drove down to uh, Chuck and Leah's place. That's um, Jill's parents. They moved out to West Virginia, so it was on in route to where we were going to stay for at our Airbnb. So we had lunch with uh, Leah and Jill. Jill happened to be there and got to see their place. And then we did like six days, kind of by the New River Gorge. If you're looking for a place just to go and get away it is a beautiful area. I mean, all the terrain is like this, you know, so they're not, they, they call them mountains, so Rocky Mountain standards, they're not mountains, okay, but they are steep, and it's all wooded and tree, and we went through some beautiful area, the George Washington National Forest, and all these beautiful places, and uh, you can look at some of our pictures. The gorge, New River Gorge, was beautiful. Uh, we did hikes there, and we didn't go rafting, though. My wife says we couldn't do it without the boys, so uh, so that might have to be on our bucket list to do that with them. And so where we stayed at the Airbnb, I mean, there was places like going to Leah's, Chuck and Leah's place. I mean, there when we left Shreveport, there's no cell coverage. So, but you know, I don't know if you know this or not. If you load on your phone, uh, whether it is Apple Maps or um, Google, whatever. If you load that where you have internet and cell service, if you load your route and you hit a place where there's no service, your GPS takes over and you're fine. So that's what we did, and it worked out fine. Because there's a lot of places there was just no cell service. It was just nothing. So uh, but that was kind of cool. So where we stayed at the Airbnb, there was no internet. There was a little bit of cell coverage. And I had a river, the Greenbrier River. It was just 60, 70 yards downhill from us. And so I fished there, caught a few small, smallmouths. So um, it was a good time. So and then we drove back en route, uh, and then we kind of dropped down to Springfield, saw our family down there, and headed back. And then I did one more week up in South Dakota for a couple days. I did get one day of fishing in, but my dad somehow stepped on an inch-and-a-quarter-inch kind of wire nail and went up into his foot. He didn't realize it. And so they were treating it with antibiotics, but it wasn't getting better. Finally, they went in. They did the x-ray, which he had asked for two weeks prior. Oh, there's something in your foot. <laughs> so then they couldn't get a hold of it. They sent him to the foot doctor. He couldn't get a hold of it. So two days later, they finally operated and got it out of there. And, and uh, he's mending and healing. So, so I helped him out with that and uh, was there for them. So amen. Well, let's look at Matthew chapter 28, water baptism is something we're instructed to do in Scripture. So let's look at this passage together, and then we're, we're going we're to pray. It says, starting in verse 16 of Matthew chapter 28, the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, say go, and make disciples. And baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Father, we just thank you for your word. It speaks to us, it guides us, and directs us uh, even today, Lord. And we just, uh, we just pray for open hearts right now, Lord God. And um, just that the message will speak to the right hearts, Lord, this morning. That our hearts are open to receive. We give you the thanks. We ask it in your name. Amen. The Assemblies of God has two ordinances that we call them. Some churches have what they call, um, oh, it's even escaping me right now because we don't use that terminology a little bit, but things you're supposed to practice. Help me out, Marie. What's that? Say it louder. Doctrines? No. Sacraments. There you go. And we you got it, Marie, <laughs> and so sacraments are similar to what we call ordinances but the the pro, the, why, the reason why we don 't use the word sacrament is sacrament usually carries with it the idea that I need to do these things to be saved, okay, so water baptism is never held out as something hey you need to be baptized to be saved. It is something I do out of obedience. So I'm going to clear that up right away. I do that as an act of obedience, just like I would anything else. I am saved by faith through Christ alone, okay? Um, But there is a close correlation there that I am to be baptized. So if I have the opportunity to be baptized and I don't, then I am disobeying God. And then you have to work that out with God, okay? Because we are called to obedience and to follow Him, okay? Okay? All right, so the two ordinances that we practice out of obedience is the Lord's Supper and water baptism. Now, some churches practice infant baptism, and that, that stems back from the early church fathers like Augustine, okay? And he talked about original sin, so that when you are born into the world, you are born a sinner. Can you believe that? So, Gabriel, he, you know, with a name like Gabriel, how could you even be a sinner, right? He is. And the older he gets, there's going to be that day where he's going to look at his mom and Anna's going to say, I want you to do this. And he's going to look at her and he goes, no, right? Or he's going to run the other way in, in, in defiance, right? It's kind of that sweet little Gabriel. There's no way. But we are born into this world with sin and Augustine called it original sin. So infant baptism became part of the early church there because they didn't want a child to be lost, okay? They wanted them to be saved. But we never get that idea that baptism saves. And so parents offer their child an infant baptism in faith, right? Okay, so there are churches that practice that, the Catholic, the Lutheran churches, other churches as well that practice that. We practice baby dedication where the baby is, after the baby is born, what we see with Jesus, he was taken to the temple on the eighth day and he was dedicated to the Lord. So that is what we follow in where the parents commit themselves to raise the child in the ways of the Lord. And in the Jewish tradition, there's something very significant that happens between age 12 and 13. When you become 13, that is called a bar mitzvah, right? And it is assumed at that age, then you assume the responsibility of your own sin, okay? You assume that you are, it's called the coming of age. You are now responsible to keep the commandments of God, and you are held responsible if you don't keep those. And Christianity comes out of that Jewish tradition, does it not? And so um, we we hold to the infant baptism. I believe there's a covering over a child until they are the coming of age, until they are at that place where they can make that decision for themselves, okay? And so anywhere from like, I don't know, 8, 10, 12, I believe a child, some more than others, are aware that They need to make that decision for Christ. I was age five when I remember praying the prayer of salvation. And I can't remember when I was baptized in water. It was probably age eight or ten sometime after that. But I remember making that decision. All right. So uh, we're going to talk a little more about that. The one thing I would say is that if you've been baptized as an infant, as a child, your parents did that in faith. Right. And they did that in good conscience. But what we're talking about today is more of a believer's baptism. It is something that I do once I've made that decision as an adult, as a person that has come of age, okay? And I'm following personally by faith in obedience to what Scripture calls me to do. All right? So we see in Scripture that Jesus says, Go into all the world, all the ethnos. That means ethnosities, ethnicities, right? Right? That is the Greek word there, so that's where we get ethnic and ethnicity, all right? We are to go into all the people groups of the world and share the gospel and to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we see that happen in the book of Acts. So I want you to go to the book of Acts. So you're going to have to go through uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts, right? And you're going to see this pattern take place in the book of Acts, and I'm going to have to hurry up here I guess so all right but we're going to see this pattern in the book of acts and that's what I want us to capture is that baptism was part of the church as the church went forward as the gospel went forward baptism was part of the process so a believer's baptism first of all symbolizes a decision to follow Christ a decision to follow Christ so one of the people that says they're going to get baptized uh, I think we have five or six that are, and, and uh, I'm hoping maybe there's a couple more here this morning that say I, I need to follow the Lord in water baptism. But it means that I've made a decision to follow Christ. All right, how many have made a decision to follow Christ? Okay. It just means that I've made a decision to follow Christ. And sometimes I hear, especially in our culture today, we say, well, I don't know if I'm ready to be baptized in water. You know, and I think there's maybe the thought that, you know what, I don't feel like I'm spiritual enough to be baptized in water. So we're going to look at some examples, and you're going to find out that when they made that commitment, they followed it with water baptism. And I think the closer the baptism happens to that decision, the better. So there are various, um, in our world today, there is various philosophies and religions, right? Um, Today there's Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, Scientology, Atheism, the list can go on, right? And so that was also the case in the early church. And when the good news was shared about Christ, people had a decision. Were they going to follow Christ or not? And so Paul would go into communi- communities. He would start with the synagogues, and then when he got kicked out of there, then he would go into the Gentiles, okay? And he would share Christ. And people had a decision to make. Some followed Christ, and they became a believer. Other people said, "Either I'm not going to have anything to do with this. They walked away. Some people even became very hostile, Towards Paul and his message. And you see that throughout the bu- book of Acts. And so Paul was persecuted on several occasions. Once he, he was stoned and even left for dead. So what would they do? They had a choice. Could they do their own thing? Would they worship other gods that were embedded in their culture? And there were plenty of gods and false gods and idolatry. The Greek gods, you know, movies, a lot of movies are based on them now, but that was very much embedded into the Greek system. All right, on different hilltops, you had Zeus and you had um, all the different ones, Athena, I think. Yeah, all different ones that were there. Um, And so they had choices to make. Would they put their faith in Christ or would they continue in the gods that surrounded them? And so as Paul went from town to town, you see that process take place of people coming to know Christ. So I want us to look at Acts 2, 36 through 34, first of all. This is on the day of Pentecost, okay? So the day of Pentecost takes place 50 days after Jesus is crucified and resurrected. You had the crucifixion and resurrection 50 days later is the Feast of Pentecost. that happened every year, but on that day, God pours out His Holy Spirit. And so there's signs that are accompanying that. There's a rushing wind, sound of a mighty rushing wind, Uh, They speak in other languages, tongues. Um, They heard the mighty Russian wind. What did they see? Tongues of fire. There we go. It's a multisensory experience. They see that. The crowd gathers. They say, what is this? Right? And so Peter gets up and he preaches. He said, hey, this was what was prophesied by the prophet Joel. And then he tells them about Christ, the one that you crucified. He is the Christ and the Savior. And this is what it says in verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel be sure of this, that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Savior, Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. That's conviction. And said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and then you will be, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The, the promise is for you, your children, and for all who are far off, all whom the Lord will call. And so 3,000, 3,000 are saved and are baptized that day. Isn't that great? Isn't that incredible? And so they say, what shall we do? They're cut to the heart. They know that. They say, what shall we do? Peter says, accept Christ as your Lord and your Savior and be baptized and repent of your sins. And those people get saved. And so when we are baptizing people, it is saying, I have made a decision to follow Christ. It doesn't mean that I have my act totally together. Okay, I'll let you know when I get my act all totally together, okay? All right? It doesn't mean that you have your act all totally together. What it is saying is that I've made a decision to follow Christ, and I'm going to do my best to follow Him. And God's grace is there to help us along the way. As we stumble, as we fall, we make mistakes His grace is there to help us. It's not to be abused, but it is there when we need it. Amen? Um, So, we see all these people, they make a decision to follow Christ, and they follow it with water baptism. Number two, a believer's baptism symbolizes a new life in Christ. A new life in Christ. I want us to look at Romans 6 six um so i lied we are going to look at romans so keep your hand in acts go ahead just uh one book it's romans six and i don't know if i'm going to read all this here <coughs> the passage that aaron read kind of touched upon it as well but romans six one says what shall we say then shall we keep on sinning that grace may increase by no means so Paul's talking about, you know, God's given us grace, but that we're not supposed to abuse it. We are those that have died to sin. How can we live it in any longer? Or don't you know that we are all baptized into Christ Jesus? We're baptized into His death. We are therefore buried with Him in baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may uh, be raised to a new life. In Christ, I'm going to stop right there. And so when we baptize somebody, the idea of baptism is immersion, okay? That's what it literally means in the Greek. And so we put somebody under the water, right? It's kind of like, why under the water? Well, it represents a watery grave. It represents, hey, I've died to an old way of life. And then I'm being raised to a new life. That's the resurrection, all right? So I'm a good pastor. I won't leave you there. Although I did have a request to leave a son under the water, just a little bit long. Wash out that honoriness, no. Um, I'm a good pastor, I won't leave you there. But it symbolizes that we've died to that old way of life and I'm being raised to new life. You know, think about Eve. Um, Eve in the garden. The Serpent comes to her and says, hey, why don't you have a, take a bite of this fruit? And she goes, no, we can't. God says, we'll die if we eat it. He goes, oh, you won't die, right? And they took a bite of the apple. Did they die? Yes and no. Yeah, not right away, right? They didn't die physically, but they died spiritually, right? And the relationship with God was severed and now they're expelled from the garden and they're distant from God. And so now God had to put a plan in place to redeem that relationship with Him. And that's why He began the process to put in place for Christ to go to the cross. It symbolizes that we've died to an old way of life and we've been raised to a new life. Martin Luther would keep his water baptismal certificate, I believe, I don't know if it was in his office or someplace in the house, but he had it on the wall. He had it framed, I don't know, whatever. But he would point at it and he would look at Satan and he'd say, I was baptized on certain, certain date. Why did he do that? Because it was a reminder that he had died to an old way of life and had been raised to a new life. And for Luther, Luther, I, I appreciate Luther because he was real. He understood that, you know what, I, does it mean if you get baptized you're never going to have a temptation or a bad thought again? Absolutely not. But it's a reminder, I made a decision to follow Christ and I have died to an old way of life and I'm being raised to a new life. Amen? And sometimes you maybe need to frame that baptismal certificate, put it up on the wall, and just as a reminder, hey, I, I died to that old way of life, and I've been raised to a new life. And that's what Martin Luther did. Um, Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. Paul ends up in Philippi because of a vision, because of a dream. And he was going to go north into Asia, and God says, God, the Holy Spirit closed the door. We don't know what that means. It just means that the door got closed. And Paul's saying, what do I do? And so God gives him a vision, a dream. says, so I want you to go to Macedonia. So he goes over. The first place they get is to Philippi, and they they go to kind of the river there. Lydia and her family get saved, and I think she has some wealth. And so she act, her, she actually kind of provides for Paul and Silas. Uh, just financially, price some meals, maybe a place for them to stay. They c- commit their life to Christ, and some great God begins to do some great things. And they even deliver a, a demonic slave girl from her possession. And she was kind of following them around, around, saying, "Hey, these men are of God," and and it all sounded good at first. But then Paul realizes that this wasn't a good thing. It was kind of getting to be a little obnoxious, and he turns around and prays for her. And the spirit leaves her, this evil spirit. Well, there was a problem with that. That spirit was allowing her to tell the future. And she belonged, she was a servant. She was a slave to other people. And so they weren't very happy with Paul and Silas that no longer this investment, this lady probably made a lot of money for them, and now she was useless to them, right? And so they used their influence to stir up the city. Paul and Silas are thrown in prison for doing a good thing. Isn't that just terrible? And so they're in prison, and they are moaning and groaning, right? What were they doing? They're worshiping and praising God, right? Middle of the night, the jailer has to hear what is happening. He has to know the story that is there, why these men are in there. Jailers back in that time often were retired military people. So they did their tour of duty, if you want to call it that. And then they would probably take a position as being a jailer. And um, it meant that they could be home and be with their family. Um, And so um, that's very much probably the background of this jailer. He's doing his job. These guys are singing in the middle of the night. And God does what? He sends this earthquake, shakes the prison doors, their chains come off. So it's more than an earthquake. Their chains come off. The prison doors swing open. And this is what happens. Verse 29 is where we're going to jump in of chapter 16. It says, The jailer called for the lights, and he rushed in trembling before Paul and Silas. He was ready to take his own life because if anybody escaped on his watch, it meant his life. So he wasn't going to wait for somebody else to behead him or take his life. He was just going to do, do it himself. He's, he had a sword. He was ready to, to take his own life until Paul and Silas says, Hey, we're all here. Do not harm yourself. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? So the witness of Paul and Silas was obvious enough to him that he knew that there was something different about them and the God that they served. And he goes, what must we do to be saved? I do. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to them and to all the others in the house. At that very hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds, and then immediately him and his whole household were baptized. So, not only the jailer, but his whole household believes that night. And they followed the Lord in water baptized, baptism. So, water baptism symbolizes that I've made a decision to follow Christ, but it also symbolizes a new life in Christ. And so 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, and the new is here. And that word, if you go into the Greek, metamorphosis, it's what a caterpillar goes through. You know, he goes into the cocoon, comes out a butterfly. It is that same transformation that God does within our own lives. The old is gone, the new has come. All right. It symbolizes that transformation. Number three, water baptism, a believer's baptism, symbolizes I am part of God's family. You know, most organizations have some way of communicating they are part of that organization, right, that they belong. They have a ceremony or they do something, right, uh, to symbolize that. In a similar way, water baptism symbolizes that you are not part of God's family, all right? Um, the church means um, called out, the called out ones. and so um, you are part of God's family, His church. Now the early church, Jesus' instructions were to go into all the world. so that in your mind, what would that mean? Tell me out with that. All the world, what does that mean? Everywhere? Africa, Asia. Middle East. Where? <laughs> Maybe beyond, right? Go to all the world. That's what we would, when we read that, that's what we, we would interpret. All people, right? Race, color, nation. But for the Jewish people, they saw God's plans as only pertaining to them, to the Jewish people. They were God's chosen people. And so, they're to go into all the world to preach the gospel. They're, They're telling other Jewish people, but they are not reaching out to the Gentiles. So how many are Gentile here? Yeah. How many have Jewish blood in them? My wife does. My kids do. Yeah, a few of you do. But most of us would be excluded from that if God hadn't extended it beyond the Jewish people. And we know that they only saw that the world to be, that they were to reach to be the Jewish population because Peter is having... He's, he's upstairs on a housetop, he's ready for supper, they're cooking the food down below it, he can smell it, it the, the, you know, the aroma is coming up, his stomach you know, is getting ready, he's hungry, okay? And as he's there, he's thinking about, oh man, I'm hungry, I'm ready, he has this vision, he's awake, It's he has a vision. And it's of what? Unclean animals, pigs, Right? And all these things that he, as a Jewish person person that were not kosher, he wasn't supposed to eat. And it's kind of like God says to him, get up and eat. It's kind of like, I'm a good Jewish person. I would never eat that. He doesn't have that vision just once, but twice, three times. The food is ready and all of a sudden there's a knock on the door and some Roman soldiers are there and say, hey, will you come with us? Now, just the Roman soldier thing. Who who crucified Christ? Romans, right? All right. And who was doing the persecution? A lot of the Romans, right? And so now Roman soldiers are knocking at the door. You know, if you were Peter, wouldn't there just be kind of a nod in your stomach? But God had prepared him. He, says he goes with these two these soldiers to a man's um, home. He was a Roman centurion. His name was... Cornelius. And we find his story, and I believe that is also in um oh, it me here. Chapter ten. There we go. So you can go back a couple pages. And Peter goes to Cornelius' house, and not only is Cornelius is there, but his whole household, other people that he knows, and he was what we'd call a God fearer. He was a Gentile who believed in God, but he hadn't been circumcised. But there was a belief and faith in God. And so he, he calls for Peter because he wants to know more about God. And so Peter, he welcomes Peter in. He says, hey, preach to the crowd that is here. And so he begins preaching. And, you know, in our day and age, sometimes you'd wait for the altar call or the time of response. And they don't wait for that. In fact, God has other plans. And they began speaking in other languages or other tongues, okay, as they did on the day of Pentecost. Nobody is telling them to do that. It just happens. But it was a pivotal moment because at that moment, the Jewish people that were there, including Peter, realized, you know what, God has poured out His Holy Spirit upon them just as He did us. So following the logic, that means that they must be part of God's plan too. They are part of God's salvation. And so they receive Christ that day, and He goes, what's keeping them from being baptized in water? and they're baptized in water. So verse 44, let's follow that of chapter 10. It says, While Peter was speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. Okay? So this was really shifting their paradigm, okay? Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized in water. They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them a few days, and he probably taught them and discipled them. So water baptism, now we see that they were baptized, and it symbolized, hey, what, you know what? They are part of God's family, even these Gentile believers. And Paul will then take that to the whole new level as he would go into primarily Gentile areas, and share the gospel. I'm going to have the musicians come. Water baptism. Um, it does not save me. But there again. I there's, it, Scripture is so clear on it. That if we don't follow him in baptism. We're actually saying God. I know what you say in your word. But I'm not going to do it. You get the idea. And I always say that if if you're not willing to follow the Lord in water baptism, what are you going to be willing to follow Him in? Are you going to be willing to say no to the temptations of the world and to other things that are there? Baptism is kind of that first step. It's a declaration. It's a testimony to your friends and your family that I've made a decision to follow Christ. So if you're going to be baptized in water, we invite you to invite your friends and family. It's a great opportunity just to share Christ with them. You don't even really have to say much. You just let your testimony, your life, your decisions speak to them that I've made a decision to follow Christ. And so next Sunday, we're going to give that opportunity. Um, uh, We're going to do an orientation on Wednesday night. If you can't be here Wednesday night at 6.30 uh, during the Discovery Club time. And I need to coordinate with Andy. I think they're just going to be meeting outside on Wednesday. So, um, but I can meet with you in the office. Uh, at six thirty, if you want to be baptized in water, if not, you need to let me know so I can maybe get that covered today. But water baptism declares that I've made a decision to follow Christ, that I'm a new creation in Christ, and I'm part of God's family. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? You may ask, so who should all be baptized? Well, if you've made that decision for Christ since you've come in of age, so 8, 10, and you've never been baptized in water, I baptized a lady that was in retirement age that had served God all of her life. This is up in North Dakota. Her hindrance was that she didn't want to get water in her ears, so I said, we got an easy solution for that. We just got her some of those foam earplugs, put them in there, and she got baptized. But that was the thing that had kept her. It was a powerful moment for her. Um, so sometimes we have issues. I had one guy that was—he just didn't want to be up in front of people. We—I baptized him in a horse tank out in the back of his property. Um, he had it all filled up and ready to roll. <laughs> baptized him out there. He eventually became one of my board members. Um, but then others—you know—you're maybe you were baptized as an infant. Your folks did that in faith, and that's great. But I think it's still good that when you've made that decision as an adult that you say, hey, this is my decision. I appreciate what my parents did. There's no, it's not dishing that. It's not dishonoring it. It's just saying, I've made a decision. And maybe you made that decision earlier and you just kind of, you lost your way. And maybe you've come back. And I think that's a good, also a good time to be baptized water. Amen? So I'm going to lead us in a prayer of salvation, if you join me, and if that's speaking to you, whether you're watching on Facebook or you're here today. Today is the day of salvation, so let's pray together, saying, Dear God, come into my heart, into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Today I make the choice to follow after you, for you to be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Praise God Amen, let's worship the Lord together and then I'll come for a closing prayer Father, you turn graves into gardens, Lord When we uh, follow you in water baptism we make that decision to follow you, Lord To die to an old way of life and be raised with you, Lord um, It's a process that happens at that moment but it continues for the rest of our life, Lord that dying in rebirth Lord. so Lord God I pray you go with us this week um, just let us be a witness of your goodness of your glory in our lives uh, let your favor be with us we give you the thanks and the praise we ask in your name Amen. praise God so at the welcome table there's a lot of stuff there picnic sign up, baptism sign up if you're able to help tomorrow at a time we'd love to have you there and uh, hey God bless you greet each other as you go. Amen.